Foodie Films is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. foodie fans and welcome back to another episode of foodie films of course this is your host your chef de cinema cuisine kyle reinfried what's going on what's happening how are you yes this is coming out on christmas december 25th 2019 oh man this is what a decade I know this is Christmas, this isn't a New Year's episode, so I shouldn't reflect on the decade, but God damn it, I will. Sorry if God damn it offended any of you. I don't mean to offend, I think this is a big decade that we're learning how not to offend people, that we, we need to be more open-minded. Mind you, I'm reflecting on all this after throwing a uh, a Christmas party, a holiday party, as you will, and I'm uh, still consuming libations, little red wine on the rocks. I know, it's breaking your heart, Italians, right? Red wine on the rocks, oh my god. Ain't sangria, but it's good. So anywho's. Anywho's, anyways, again, not New Year's, not Thanksgiving, but there's a lot of things I'm reflecting I'm very thankful for. First off, it, I mean, it's 1.30 in the morning on uh, December 24th. This is Christmas, yeah, because I had a Christmas Eve Eve party, but now it is uh, in the wee hours, early morning of Christmas Eve. So thank you, Joey, who is at my party, Joey Lewandowski, uh... I almost president. I don't know if that's his title, but he's definitely a co-founder of the Cage Club Podcast Network, host of many awesome podcasts on said network, and kind of the uh, ringmaster of this circus that is the network, or that is our podcasts that are on the network. The network is a very well orchestrated, but because of people like me, editing, recording these cold opens. And uh, so thank you, Joey Lewandowski, for coming to my party and letting me hand this in a little late so I get to enjoy my holidays. I, uh, what am I looking forward to? I'm looking forward to tonight's dinner. Ooh, my grandmother's cooking. My dad's mother, 
Norma Brutamesso. The reason we have the line, there's more to cut. That's her name. I know you heard me say my grandmother a bunch of times, but there, there you go. Norma Brutamesso. Brutamesso. You can't get more Italian than that. Northern Italian, though. Not like those uh, Sicilians in the South. Those troublemakers. But anyway. Um, yeah. Oh, her cooking. Some homemade spinach raviolis, and then for dessert, some cream puffs. You know, we don't do the whole seven fishes bit. I think she used to do that back in the day, but she's, she's, uh, you know, she's an old, she's an old woman. She's a tough old woman, but she's old nonetheless, and, uh, I, I should be helping her out so we get more of those old school dishes on the table, but, you know, she, she does it, like, during the day when... So, nonetheless, anyway, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm rambling on. But, you know what we got going on? We got a great episode for you guys. We got Robbie Felice. Robbie is, boy, it was just a pleasure meeting him. Um, He's got two amazing restaurants in New Jersey. That's right, New Jersey, North Jersey, where I'm from. Awesome guy. Really fun to talk with. Once he's, once I got him going, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm new I'm I'm still green as far as a host goes. I'll admit that. I'm still learning my course. Once 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 we got a conversation going, boy man, he was full throttle like the motorcycle he rode from Colorado to Las Vegas. He was just he was on board. He was a great guest, great person. I can't wait to go and eat at his restaurants. I, uh, I, I've heard nothing but great things, though. That's how I heard about him and asked him to be on the podcast. So without further ado, here's Robbie and I talking. Merry Christmas, guys. Happy Hanukkah. All the other great holidays. Celebrate with your friends and your families, whoever you want, maybe by yourself. I don't know. Whatever makes you happy. I'm just happy you guys are here. You're listening. You're supporting. So thank you again. Enjoy the episode. Happy holidays. All right, thanks for meeting up with me, Robbie. Uh, how's it going so far? We, uh, I drove uh, out. We're in Wayne right now. Wayne, New Jersey. Wayne yep. at Viaggio. Viaggio, yep. And this is your first restaurant. First right? restaurant. We're, uh, I think, a little over three years old now here. Ah, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. That's cra- that's crazy. Like, I mean, uh, you know, you're a Jersey boy, right? You grew- did you grow up in the area? So yeah, I grew up in Jersey. Um, I'm originally from up north, Sussex County. Okay. Um, but yeah, Jersey, Jersey until I was about, I guess you could say just out of high school and then went to college in upstate New York and then just did tons and tons of traveling. And, you know, you always kind of go back to where you started. So ended up back (laughs) here after like six years of traveling. I lived in Vegas for a while, Colorado for a while, uh, Europe for like a year and a half. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. So where, where did you go to college upstate? Uh, CIA, the Student. Culinary Institute of America. Oh, you're not a special agent? It's a, it's, <laughs> no, it's, no, it's, yeah, okay. it's actually a culinary <laughs> it's, school. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what was that like? Uh, it was awesome. Um, super cool. Um, where CIA is, there's like five other colleges in the area. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, little college town. Um, it was cool to be able to, you know, go to class and just be good at what you did so you didn't really have to, like, study too hard and get good <laughs> grades and you know, live the college lifestyle, but then yeah. go to class and cook during the day. What more could you ask for? Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, like, when you're going there, is it, do they have, like, 
I'm doing air quotes right now, like normal college classes, like not really everything, like yeah, you know, everything like pertains to cooking. So let's say you're taking a math class, it's like costing, you know, menu costing and stuff like that. So like you know, when I talk to friends about college or talk to anyone about college, it's like you didn't really go to college, you know, you went to that cooking school, but like (laughs) that. Oh yeah, that cooking school. Yeah, but you know, when when you talk about like CIA, at least. CIA or the Culinary Institute of America is like on a pretty high pedestal, so yeah, of course it, it is. Uh, it definitely kind of works out well that way. Yeah, so I mean, you're going to CIA. Like, what is? You, you, there's other colleges around. What's that experience like? I mean, what what? Where did it? What made you go? Like, I want to be a chef. Um, honestly, I mean, my like kind of like life story is definitely a long one, so I don't want to kind of put it all on you, but I actually, I owned a landscaping business when I was in high school. Wow. Um, it was awesome. It was like, dude, I was like making more money than everyone. I was like, this is great. Like, you know, I was always the one like just constantly working, working, working. And it came down to like do or die. I was also working in kitchens. You know, my dad owned restaurants while I was growing up. I was working for him, his friends, and, you know, I loved both. It was cool. Like during the day, you know, on the weekends, I would be out mowing lawns and doing things like that. And then at night, I would be in the kitchen. It was like the best of both worlds. I loved being outside, but at the same time, I loved cooking food. Um, and my parents said to me one day, they were like, so what are you going to do? Are you going to like go to school to be a landscaper? Are you going to go to school to be a chef? And I was like, oh my God, like, what am I doing? Yeah. Um, and one of my best friends in, uh, high school talked me into applying to CIA. And I basically said, you know, if I get in, I'm, I think I'm going to do that. I ended up getting in. And once I got in, that was it. It was do or die. The whole chef life thing what's the process of applying to like cia uh honestly i think it's gotten a little bit easier um i worked for someone that graduated from cia so he was able to write me a letter of recommendation you know i'm i mean cia is just stupid expensive you know all the kids (laughs) that are all the guys everyone guys girls whatever it may be that work for me now um, we just laugh about it. Like we laugh about what our student loans are like, how much in debt we are from just going to this culinary school. Yeah. Um, hundred percent worth it. You know, love the school, love everything they do for you and teach you. Um, obviously it is for just that piece of paper, but, um, with that being said, yeah, the school is insanely expensive. So kind of trying to be smart about it. I filled out for, you know, every grant, every student loan, yeah. every, everything I could get. Um, one being, you know, getting a CIA grad to write you a letter of recommendation, um, sent everything in and, you know, I heard back from them within a month that was like, you know, you've been accepted. Wow. Next thing you know, you're kind of going up there visiting the college campus is absolutely beautiful. The whole setup, I mean, everything it's, it's literally, they call it the world's premier culinary college and yeah. it really is. What, I ta- mean, what town is that in? It's in Hyde Park. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So like right next area. to Poughkeepsie. Yeah. Yeah. It's gorgeous yeah. up there. The Hudson Valley. We're right next Northern to Valley, Marist College. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, so. That's crazy. Yeah. You should have been like, I'll do your landscaping for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, their landscaping's gorgeous up there too. Uh, so obviously you've got a great work ethic you're doing landscaping and working at your you know dad's restaurants and stuff like that what's what's your social life when you're younger or you just or do you just already know like if I'm working now it'll you know like like it just seems like you're very I don't know uh, ahead of your age in the, yeah, in the no, sense I of, mean you know, I, that, that I guess way. I kind of was definitely um don't get me wrong I had a lot of fun in high school I mean I had a lot of more fun than I probably should have had in college too. 
Um, I feel like, especially being a chef, you know, you, you go on any of these other chefs' podcasts or videos or anything. Um, being a chef these days is all about finding balance. And most chefs tell you, even, you know, the biggest, most famous ones in the industry tell you it's just, it's impossible. Um, there's no such thing as balance. It's so hard to find, you know, to be a chef or to own restaurants and to have a family is like, you know, next to impossible. Um, me and my friends always joke about it. You know, I had my best friend that I kind of traveled the country with and we went to college together. We were roommates in college and we go through these kind of like spurts where it'll be like, you know, you spend like two, three years just grinding head down. Obviously you have your little bit of fun in there. You know, you try and go out when you can, you try and meet people when you can, Go to bars after work. We have the opposite schedules. You know, we're <laughs> we're we're out late at night. We work holidays. You know, we work weekends. Our days yeah. off are Mondays. You know, complete opposites of normal people. Um, but you like work hard for like two, three years at a job, and then most people have to kind of like unwind or like yeah. you know find a new job or like take a couple weeks off or something like that. And I feel like that's the constant rotation. Um, you know, I've done it a couple times, but. There's definitely times where you just need to kind of like recharge your batteries. And like I think even the most famous chefs and famous restaurateurs or whoever you want to interview or talk to, they'll kind of tell you the same thing. If you're not like well balanced and you're not like taking care of yourself and taking the time off you need or spending the time with loved ones, it's like really, really hard. It's hard on your body. It's hard on you mentally, you know. Yes, well, I mean, it seems like you get a good head on your shoulders. I mean, we just even I'm like, oh, man, like, you know, it's a little after nine in the morning, you've already been to the gym. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> You're staying active. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Growing up, who's, who's cooking? What are you eating? What's, what's that like when you're younger? Um, you know, I definitely grew up in a household where, you know, there was always a home cooked meal on the table, you know, every night of the week, you know, my mom's a good cook. My dad's a great cook, you know, obviously like, home cook status. I mean, my dad owned two restaurants. He was a chef of both. Um, so I was definitely treated both of my grandparents, you know, um, on both sides were awesome. You know, I'm 50% Dutch and 50% Italian. So like awesome to be able to see what my Dutch grandma cooks. Awesome to see what my Italian grandmother cooks. Um, definitely, you know, anyone you can ask, will tell you that that's, that's what kind of makes you, you know? Um, and then once I went to culinary school and started learning about all these different foods and, oh my God, you can go for, it's just crazy what the world's come to or what America's come to now. Like, you know, back when I was in college and, you know, we're going out and eating ramen. No one eight years ago was talking about going out and eating ramen. And now it's like you, you, oh, come on. Every college kid was eating ramen. You know, you put it in the microwave. that, That kind of ramen. But nowadays you, you know, you'd be walking down the street and you just see this, like, you know, Joe Schmo like saying oh. to his girlfriend, let's go for ramen. And I'm like, there's three ramen places on Newark Ave in Jersey City. Yeah, it's crazy these days. But, you know, the same thing with just like everything. People are like so much more susceptible to going out for like crazy food or like, you know, let's go for, you know, I mean, sushi's always been big, but just like Vietnamese food or let's go for pho or, you know, yeah. things like that. And I mean, I, I stress it so much that food is what makes the world go round. And like you even see it, you know, taking your podcast, talking about film and throwing food into it. It's like, it's, it, it really is, you know, I don't care if you love food, you hate food every day you wake up, you have to eat. So, yeah, so, so whether you're waking up eating Twinkies and talking about how much you love Twinkies <laughs> or if you're waking up and going to the best brunch spot in Jersey city, you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, 
Yeah. Food is what makes the world go round. So, I mean, I feel like a lot of people know... Well, I shouldn't even, I'm not even speak for other people. I know a lot about Italian food, or just a, a lot in the sense of, you know, your, like, menus and, like, dishes. But what what exactly... I've been, I've been to Amsterdam, but what is, like, a, like traditional Dutch dishes? Um, Dude, Dutch food is just incredible. I mean, my whole time that I lived in Europe, I can honestly say I was the most blown away by just being all over Holland and their really? food. Um, one of my favorite stories is about my best friend. I kind of hope he'll listen to this eventually and laugh about it. Um, he did like a little Europe tour. I would say he was probably a little jealous of my time that I spent over there. So he took like three weeks, went to a bunch of different places. He went and ate at like a three Michelin star restaurant in France, spent all kinds of money for him and his girlfriend, you know, like $2,000, this three Michelin star meal, you know, wow. they're kind of just pampering you. And then he ate at this one Michelin star restaurant in Amsterdam. It was a very vegetable forward restaurant. Not, not, not quite like vegetarian, but like very low on the meats. And like, I was like, dude, I can't believe you ate there. Like that's where you picked when you were in Amsterdam. Yeah. And he said that this meal that he had in Amsterdam blew away this three Michelin star meal. He said he would trade that that one Michelin star meal that he had in Amsterdam at this vegetarian restaurant any day for that three Michelin star meal. And I was just like, that was the icing on the cake because this was like a year or two after I had gotten back and I always bragged about Holland and like how their food scene is just so cool, so awesome. There's so many different perspectives on it. And for him to kind of come back and tell me that I was like blown away. But anyway, to kind of get back to your question, um, Holland's a lot like America. Um, it's like a melting pot. There's so many different kinds of food. You know, you could walk down the street and get the traditional strope waffle, which is one of my favorite things to eat, hands down, period. I'm kind of <laughs> spoiled now that I lived in Holland. You know, my family from Holland comes over here and they bring me strope waffles, and I tell them I don't want them unless they're fresh. Um, so I only want them when they're fresh now. But everything, I mean, I laugh because I talk to my friends that aren't really like foodies. You know, they're more of go out, get wasted, have a slice of pizza. Sure. Well, imagine going out, getting wasted, and having fried food come out of a vending machine because that's all over Holland. Wow, so, I didn't see that you one. Know, was over there, going right? out yeah. and getting absolutely hammered and then kind of walking up to a vending machine and trying to slide euros into it and just <laughs> picking all different kinds of fried food that drop Pressing down. Pressing all the wrong buttons. Yeah. <laughs> Probably just hitting every button. Cause you just hitting everything and it all coming down at you. But um, like yeah, an asshole on an elevator. Just hitting yeah, all. <laughs> there's all that stuff. And then um, there's a lot of like uh, different you know, their Asian food over there is so different from our Asian food here, which is awesome. There's a lot of Indonesian influences because you have Indonesia there. So, like, to go out and get Indonesian food, I was just like, what is this? This is awesome. Like, you know, eating sambal that's, like, real sambal that's, yeah. like, made, homemade there. That makes um, sense because that was a colony of theirs, the, yeah. du the Dutch Indies. Yeah. And then um, – I don't know. One thing that I like love saying is like their bistros are like comparable to our fine dining restaurants here. They put so much more care into like everything they do. So even if you're going to a place that's like French fries with a sandwich, that French fries and sandwich is going to look it's just so much more love is put into it. It doesn't matter where you go in Holland. It's like all over Holland. It's just so much more love's put into it. And that's just kind of the restaurant scene. And then underneath the restaurant scene, I would say even more awesome and memorable for me is, you know, I was living with my family over there and their refrigerators are super small. And the reason being is they go shopping for their food every single day. 
Um, so my, you know, my aunt that was over there, she would go into town. She would kind of walk or drive into town. And in this town, there would be like a little seafood market. Wow. There would be a little meat market. There would be a specialty store, which was like your cheeses and chocolates and stuff. There would be like a florist. There would be your main grocery store. And she would literally hit each one on the way. She would be like, what are we going to have tonight? Are we going to have fish? Are we going to have meat? And she would only buy what we needed for that day. That's and awesome. it was just incredible. And then there was one time where, you know, I went to the store and I bought all my groceries for like a week or two. Yeah. And she saw me eating bread the next day. And she's like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean what am I doing? I bought this yesterday. Yeah. She's like, there's mold on it. I was like, there's mold on it? What do you mean? I bought it yesterday. And like, that's how we, we are here in America these days. Like, you know, our bread lasts. Six months. Our bread doesn't even grow mold these days because of all the shit we put in it. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. So it was just really incredible to see that and, like, you know, just see real food for once and see strawberries that are actually, like, really red and don't have all these parasites on them. And I think that was kind of the most amazing part of Holland, just walking through these little cities and seeing all the different butchers and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, you know, really in Jersey, where do we have a butcher shop here? We're oh, in just... Wayne. Wayne's huge. Yeah. Is there like really a butcher shop where someone's going to go, go for meat? No, they go to ShopRite. They go to Acme. They go to a place where like pork's not even the real color of pork these days, yeah. you know? Yeah, man. We're, we're in, uh, where I grew up in Harrington Park, I worked at a deli. I still even work random days there because they're like a second family to me. And I just, I love, I love making sandwiches. That's just yeah. like my favorite thing. But next to us was a meat market, uh, you know, like old school, like butcher. And it was, you know, husband and wife and the son took over, but then they had to close. But that, it, it just always, I, I had to laugh sometimes because we would have people come into the deli and be like, oh, the meat market is closed. And I'm like, it's been closed for two years now. Like, yeah. I wonder why it closed, you yeah. know? Like, I mean, I understand, you know, prices are competitive, you know? I mean, then you've got, obviously, all the supermarkets. And then, I mean, you have your elevated, I guess, supermarkets now with Whole Foods and uh, what what just opened up in Paramus. You, you, you have, know, like, Fairways and, Fairways and Wegmans. Wegmans, and yeah. yeah. But, I mean, yeah, it's just sad. Like, I mean, I love educating when people come into Viaggio and sit at the bar and talking to people about it, but... I mean, we love supporting our local small farms. Yeah. You know, I'm constantly on Facebook posting all these, like, mass-produced farm videos. You know, I think the latest one I, I posted up was, like, one of this dairy farm where they're, like, beating the baby cows. And, like, you should see how many people are, like, on it, liking it, posting on it. This is disgusting. Oh, my God. And it's like, dude, you drink mass-produced milk. You eat mass-produced veal. You eat mass-produced beef every day. Like, we posted one video of one large dairy farm in the u.s like this happens to every single mass-produced farm like there's pigs that are literally like born on concrete live in like a cubicle that they can't even move around in their babies are taken from them as soon as they're born like yeah. that's the pork you eat is that sad to you like and then you have people that are like oh that's it i'm going vegetarian i'm going vegan like that doesn't help like that means you're not buying from these small farms that are like actually treating their animals right that are doing it the old school way yeah. that are you know what i mean so like i don't know it's just kind of super messed up how kind of america is in the food scene with all that love supporting the local you know love supporting the smaller and people are like you know why is this pork chop so goddamn good i'm like dude the pig was living three days ago we broke it down off the whole animal like that's why it's so wow. good 
Yeah. Yeah, no, when I had uh, Pat LaFried on, uh, you know, for the first, first cut episode, he educated me just in the ways of, like, how, you know, where they get their meat from, and just even with the steer, how they use, when they corral them, they use a circular versus they, because cows supposedly hate angles. Uh-huh. So it just, like, it just makes them more pleasant, which, I mean, some people, like, there's, a, you know, firm belief that the better the animal is treated, yeah. technically, like, the better it'll uh, it'll taste. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of theories on that. I don't think I don't think anything's been exactly proven on that, but... I mean, I don't know. I'm such a firm believer in that. Like, you know, people sometimes get sad when I tell them, oh, you go to the farm, you visit these animals, and I'm like, yeah, you should see these animals. Like, I go to my pig farm where I get all my whole pigs. We're buying a whole pig every other week, and they're rolling around in the mud. They literally have a pen that's so big that I have to scream for them and wait 10 minutes before they get to me. Like, <laughs> I promise you the pork you're buying in any supermarket, any store, I don't care if it even says, you know, pasture raised or whatever. Like, yeah. there's so many different loopholes with wording on things now, you know. They could put the best words on that package, and if you go to see where these animals are raised, I promise you you're not going to be, like, impressed. But kind of back to what I was saying, like, you go to – the farms that I'm buying my whole animals from, and it's just crazy how these animals live. They live exactly how they're supposed to live, you know, wide open pastures, eating everything they could possibly want, getting all the food scraps, things like that. And then, you know, they have one bad day, but they lived a happy, healthy life. And that's what's going to, when we put that product down on the table, that's why it's going to taste so good, in my opinion. Do you know what heritage heritage bred pork is yeah 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 so heritage i I always hear about that on uh (laughs) when i listen to bill burr's podcast you know he actually has uh you know people that are you know uh, you know he throws an advertising and he talks about the company butcher box and he's like oh heritage bred pork he's like that's the best pork chop i've ever had the owner of heritage his name i believe it's actually patrick as well okay is it i used to use so the reason heritage became so big was um like Mario Batali and Mark Ladner started using them. Um, Mark Ladner actually helped to bring a breed back from almost being extinct. Wow. He put like a, a, a ragu on his menu that was a red, wa- red waddler ragu, and it was like from a red waddler pig. So they started producing all these heritage breeds, red waddler pigs, and um, that was like a super cool story. That was actually when I was kind of working back in Vegas. It happened a little bit before that, but that was a story they always told. And Heritage is like huge now. Like you could go on the internet and just buy off their website and Mm, things like that. But yeah, they're huge on like, you know, supporting these Heritage breed pigs and things like that. It's it's the things we should be eating, not just these mass-produced breeds. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about your traveling. So, I mean, you graduated CIA and then what, I mean, what did you do afterwards? But then, I mean, I know you went all over Europe and like you said, Vegas. I'll try and give you the short story because I'm sure you don't want to sit here and listen to it. I mean, I've told so many people, but um, basically graduated from CIA. You know, I had this tight knit group of friends. We were like those crazy ones that just somehow got the good grades. We were always out partying. We were like <laughs> those kids, you know. I don't think anyone thought we were ever going to do anything big, but now it's like, you know, my one best friend owns a few different sandwich shops that he's franchising out. My other best friend is, you know, the executive chef of uh, Baloud Sued by Daniel Baloud in New York City. Um, One of my other best friends 
just opening his first restaurant. So, you know, everyone's doing awesome. But um, basically, I graduated from CIA. I went back to working at Bobo because Bobo is where I did my internship. Um, I was also working in New Jersey at the time. Um, and I was just like, you know, I'm back in Jersey. I'm back in New York City. New York City's always been um, my backyard. So, like, why am I, like, back to where I kind of started? My best friend was actually working up in Boston, um, Gina De Palma. Um, flew me out to Los Angeles for the first Ella, first ever Los Angeles food and wine event in 2011. Cool. So I went out there with her, um, with some of Mario Batali people, and you know we did the LA food and wine event. And I was just, I was mind blown. I was like, 20, just turned 21, like out here <laughs> for this food and wine event, drinking, like partying, like doing all these different events, going to all the best restaurants in LA. And I'm just like, holy shit, I need to be out here, like. LA's the dream, like palm trees, beach, like everything is awesome. Some crazy um, parties. Yeah. So I I come back and my best friend calls me and he's like, dude, like what are we doing? I hate Boston. I'm like, yeah, New York City sucks. I just got back from LA. We need to move to LA. Long story short, you know, he, he basically quits his job, gets rid of everything he has. I sell literally everything. I sell my car. I sell everything I have. He drives down from Boston to me quit everything i pack everything i have left in his car his like little beater and we start driving across the country for la yeah and no job we're just like fuck it we're we're good at what we do we'll get a job we don't care we make it to colorado and we're literally sitting in a chipotle and we're like (laughs) yo why don't we just stay here like we've been working too hard we've both been just like all about grinding we just graduated college let's stay here for a season let's snowboard let's get Good okay, jobs. you like to snowboard. And yeah. yeah, so I'm I'm not meant to go downhill. Yeah. <laughs> so we basically are like, all right, we're staying here. I call my mom. He calls his parents. We're like, yo, send out our snowboarding stuff. We're staying in Colorado, <laughs> and they're like, what? So we get up, we start going online, and we end up finding this woman that's like renting out this four million dollar mansion basement, and we're like, yo, this is too good to be true. The rent yeah. was like stupid cheap. We end up getting land in this spot, and that's where we kind of like lived. Um, we started at this restaurant called. We both started working there at uh, the Atwater on Gore Creek. Um, it wasn't very highly rated, but they just got these like new three young chefs that like took over, yeah. and they were like all about it. We became like the most tight knit group ever. Um, cooking just awesome food. We had a lot of input on the menu. So what, we, were, you, what were you doing? Um, we were just line cooks, both okay, of us. Cool. Yeah. Um, so we were just line cooking, but we had like a lot of input. We were like young, spunky, eager. We wanted our restaurant to be one of the best in Vail. We were in Vail, Colorado. It's a good spot. Um, yeah, no, it was absolutely beautiful. Wouldn't have changed it for the world. Um, we ended up doing the Taste of Vail competition. We like got like third place by the judges, first place by the people. Everything was just awesome. Like looking back on it, at the end of the season, we were like, God damn, like we're. One of the best-rated restaurants in Vail right now. We just had a kick-ass season, like crushed our numbers, like all that good stuff. At the end of the season, me and Brian both decided to buy street bikes, motorcycles, like crotch rockets. Um, I think a week after we both bought them, you know, ripping them around Vail, it just became summer. They sat us down and they were like, listen, guys, you either need to sign a contract with us that you're going to stay another year or like we don't have work for you anymore. Oh, wow. We're both like, 
oh, hell no, are we staying in Vail another year. Yeah. I mean, Vail was awesome. It was, like, cool, but, like, everyone knew everyone. It was so small. It was, like, tight-knit. Like, were we really bettering our careers? Yeah. Just like you said, like, kind of like when you heard about me in high school, like, I was always like, what's the next step? What's the next step? What do I have to do yeah. to better myself, better my career? No pun intended. You're hungry. Yeah. And we both know, yeah, exactly. And we both knew that Vale wasn't doing it for us. So we're both sitting there like, oh, man, we just bought street bikes. We have no money. Where are we moving? We're not making it to L.A. for sure. L.A. is way too I'm expensive. Just, man, I'm just imagining, I mean, uh, it's like the end of the season, but I'm imagining Dumb and Dumber right now, and you guys just go Literally. Okay, so, yeah, listen, listen, that's what's coming up. That part is coming up. So... We're working on the line one night, you know, our chefs are bugging us, like, what are you guys doing? Are you signing a contract with us? And we're like, fuck, like, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? So we're cooking, literally, I just remember being, like, literally depressed, like, yeah. I got my street bike, but I don't have a job anymore. We're cooking, and my, my best friend, he looks over to me, Brian, and he's just like, I got it. I was like, what do you mean you got it? We don't got anything right now. He's like, no, I got it. We're moving to Vegas. I was like... Whoa. Yeah, we're moving to <laughs> Vegas. And, like, the next day we woke up, I had called, you know, my people back at Babo because I knew Mario Batali had restaurants there. He had some connections. He ended up starting right away at, like, Bouchon, Thomas Keller. Um, we both had job interviews lined up before we even left. Four days later, you know, we have our best friends driving his beater car packed with all our shit. And me and him rode our street bikes 12 hours <laughs> to Vegas. So the best part of the whole story is, you know, they our two best friends sleep over, cars all packed. We wake up the morning of, like, ready to leave, spunky as hell. Like, hell yeah, we're getting the hell yeah. out of here. We're going to Vegas. Going to Vegas like, baby. Like, people, H you know. Had you been before? Um, yeah, I had been, like, once before. He just had his birthday there. So, okay. like, w we knew what we were getting into. Um, Vegas food scene is legit. You it's know? legit. Like, yeah, no. I mean, now that I've been there, like it's like it's kind of just all famous chefs that know that they have to have a restaurant there. It's sure. not like it's not like the mother's sake where like they're founding restaurants yeah, that made them big. But it yeah. was good enough. It was better to like get out of Vegas and be there because like I could sit down and say to someone, "Oh, I was a I was a cook. I was a chef in Vegas," or I yeah. could be like, "I was a cook. I was a chef in Colorado." What what sounds better? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. So we wake up morning of. We're like spunky as hell, ready to go. I was probably still standing in my boxers. I swing open the door, like ready to scream, "Vegas, we're coming!" <laughs> and it's snowing. <laughs> and we have to ride these crotch rockets. And my bro my buddy Brian goes, "We're not going." I look at him. And I was like, "We're fucking leaving." <laughs> so we like saddle up. We're literally like like snow suits on yeah. start these street bikes and like it's dumping snow we're riding in like four inches of snow yeah. on straight straight crotch rock it's like <laughs> riding through this pass it's like the worst road to ride on in all of colorado yeah and we make it through this pass it just stops snowing we stop at the first gas station me and him i think we literally spent a hundred dollars on hand warmers and we're like taping them to every part of our body <laughs> literally taping them and our friends oh, are man. driving our yeah. friends are driving in the car behind us anyway we drive 12 hours you know few few little issues on the way you know everyone tells us be careful there's that 60 mile stretch no gas station don't run out of gas of course we run out of gas <laughs> um our friends have to like you know drive do a u-turn in the middle of the road you know and these two kids are like potheads from colorado so you know every second we turn around it's like cheech and chong smoke bellowing out of the car and then you got us two on crotch rockets like this eventually we make it to like nevada and then at this point, it's like 80 degrees and sunny, so we're ripping off our snowsuits, and we're in, like, short sleeves riding yeah. crotch rockets. 
We make it to Vegas. We literally get there with like $1,000 each. We get our apartment. I Put think it all we, on black. <laughs> I, think we slept, I think we slept on the floor for three weeks. Anyway, we get our jobs. We ended up being in Colorado or Las Vegas for like three and a half years. He ended up moving. Wow. Yeah. He ended up moving to Palm Beach, um, Florida um, after. Did a lot of traveling in between. Did a bunch of events out in California. You know, did like, it was just kind of like Vegas was my hub and like, it's what really started it for me. Moved him to Florida. And then when he moved to Florida, I decided to get rid of everything, sell my whole life and buy a one-way ticket to Holland, and that's exactly what I did. Um, what's, so, What's the lifestyle like in Vegas? You know, obviously most, most people are there for like two, three nights. You know, I think a lot of people are like three nights is like the most that, you know, yeah, you can take. I mean, like I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have traded it for the world. I lived in Las Vegas when I was 21, 22, 23 years old. Not I bad. Was, Not you know, bad. Good I was a line cook <laughs> for like one of kind of the most famous chefs for the era or in his era, like, you know, going out and just being like, oh, what do you do? You know, I'm a chef. I work for that fat guy with red hair on Food Network. You know who he is? (laughs) You work for him? Like, everyone. Like, didn't matter who it was. You know, being a a chef, is that a good pickup line? uh, Yeah, I guess it worked. I mean, it was was cool for anything because in Vegas, it was all about who you know. So, like, you know, you walk into a club, they take care of you. A lot of name dropping. Yeah, they take care of you. You take care of them when they come in, things like that. So that was really, really awesome. Um, it was just great. It was like an awesome time. I wouldn't have traded that for the world. I wouldn't have traded my Colorado time for the world. I wouldn't have traded CIA time for the world. And then being able to just sell everything and literally buying a one-way ticket to Holland was a pretty incredible feeling. It was like, hey, I have yeah. this much money in the bank. Make it last as long as you can. You know, Three months was your normal visa. I stayed past my time. Um, I basically did... Holland was my main hub, um, but from Holland, I also lived in Belgium for about a month. I lived in London for about a month. I did Italy for about three months, um, and it was just all traveling. I would put a backpack on my back. I would tell my awesome. my my family that I was living with, "Hey guys, I'm going. Yeah. You know, if you don't hear from me in like three weeks, I'm probably dead. You know, tell my parents." I said, "What's up?" <laughs> um, but yeah, I would just kind of like go and do my thing. I would just walk into restaurants and work for a couple weeks or whatever it may be. Yeah, you can you can do that. Like, is that like a, a normal like? Kind of, you know. I worked for free a lot like, while I was out there, but yeah. it was well worth it. It was one hundred percent worth. Yeah, <laughs> um, I worked for a chef called uh, Sergio Herman was his name. Um, when I was actually out there, one of his his movie that I put down on the list um, actually came out. I think that was one of the coolest things that's ever happened. Working for this guy was like literally working for like a superstar. Like every word that came out yeah. of this guy's mouth was inspiring. Um, so his movie, Fucking Perfect, came yeah. out while I was out there. Um, so I got to go to the movie premiere. Like, awesome. dude, it was just like constant cameras in the restaurant, constant eyes everywhere. It was like it was like being in a movie, being yeah. working for him while this came out. So I worked for him for about three months at his restaurant called Pure C. And then, like, I kind of just proved myself. And they actually asked me to go down and work for his other restaurant, his newer restaurant called The Jane. Okay. Um, it's probably the most incredible restaurant in the world, in my opinion. The food, just everything about it. It's a Where, re- where is this? Um, in Antwerp. Okay, yeah. Um, so it's built inside of an old military church. 
Um, wow. Beautiful stained glass windows. Up on the altar of the church is a custom, like, Ben Martin kitchen, soundproof glass, like, probably the nicest kitchen I've ever worked in. Up where, like, the organ plays, um, the chef is also the chef who's insanely famous, Nick Brill. He's also a famous DJ. Yeah. So there's, like, a DJ booth up there, so he gets, like, you know, all sick DJs that play during dinner service, that play after hours, you know. Right. He'll be, like, cooking, and then he'll go up there and play a set. It was just the coolest thing ever. Yeah, sounds like a pretty um, innovative place. Yeah. yeah. When I was working there, I'd work like 21-hour days. So I would literally work for 21 hours, go home, wash my face, lay down on the – I was living on the Psalms couch. Yeah. Um, I would go home, <laughs> sleep on the couch for an hour, and then go back to work. Um, wow. It was insane. People are like, that's crazy that you did that. And I would kind of respond to them, no, that's not crazy. What's crazy is being someone that worked there for a year or two years doing that every single week. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's that was incredible. And then finally ran out of money in Europe. I was just like, that's it. You know, I have like $500 left. I'm done eating bread just to survive. Um, let's go back home. When I moved back home, I went back to Vegas because Vegas was more of home than New Jersey. Okay. You know, yeah. Um, when I went back to Vegas, I was like, wow, I really just messed up. I went back to where I've already kind of done what yeah, I've yeah, done. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Been there, done that. So then I left Vegas. I came back here home. I came to, uh, New York City. Um, I ended up moving into New York City. I started working at a two Michelin star place, The Modern. Yeah. I was only there for like, you know, five, six months. Um, reason I wanted to go there, I literally staged around. I worked at so many different Michelin star restaurants trying to pick my next job. Um, the reason I went there is because I wanted to be like pushed again. I wanted to be like in these restaurants that I was in in Europe where I was getting, you know, screamed at, constantly pushed to be better, 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 things yeah, like that. Yeah, where are you learning when you're over there in Europe and just traveling around and, you know, going in? Yeah, learning places? like so much, literally just, I mean, everything that they would do, I'd be like, that is the craziest, coolest thing. And they yeah. just expect so much more out of you. Everyone puts so much more effort in America. We're just lazy here, you know what I mean? <laughs> so basically, that's why I took this job at the Modern. I was like, like, I want to be pushed again. I want to be like, I feel like I was in Europe. I love that. It was like, I was so tired. I was so beat up on, but like, I loved it. It was yeah. like so amazing. So I take this job at the modern, literally five, six months in, I just walk in one day and I quit on the spot. And like my chef that's there, I mean, he's still there. Abraham Bissell. He was like, are you sure you want to do this? This could mess up your career. Like you're not even giving me notice. You're like walking out on me. I was like, listen, this is not what I wanted at by any means. Like I wanted to be coming in early three, four hours early to learn extra. You guys don't even allow me to come in early. Like it's such a union driven job here. It's all about, uh, you okay. know, if I stub my toe, you're like, oh, go home, take the day off, really? you know? Wow. So it wasn't a very, like, tough kitchen. So I just ended up walking out, and um, one thing led to another. I ended up started just working for some friends in Jersey just to kind of keep the money coming in. I ended up going out to California on an interview, finally trying to make it to L.A. I'm going yeah. to L.A. I'm finally going to L.A. now. Um, I'm in L.A., you know, interviewing for a job, and my dad actually texted me, and his exact text was, rest up. And I looked to one of my friends that was out there with me, and I said, my dad just bought a restaurant. Um, and he was like, you know, my girlfriend at the time and him, they were both like, no, he didn't. I was like, I, <laughs> yes, he did. Yeah. So we get home, I get back here and he pulls me up to this shitty restaurant in Wayne, New Jersey in the middle of a strip mall. And I was like, oh, yeah, you don't, you don't get much more American than like the strip, the strip mall the vibe, strip right? Mall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I was like, oh dad, no, you didn't. This is the one you bought. This is the one I have to, I have to do with you. And he was like, yeah, do you want to do it? And I was like, well, I'm not going to leave you hanging. So let's do this. 
Um, and then one thing led to another. You know, we knew we're in a strip mall in Wayne, New Jersey. Like, how are we going to put this place on the map? So my first thing was we have to transform this. You have to walk inside here, and you have to feel like you're not in a strip mall in Wayne, New Jersey. You have to feel like you're in West Village yeah. in New York City. You know? It's very warm and inviting yeah. here. When you, yeah, when you walk in here, you know, you got to have the vibe going. Um, we kind of used all my past experiences, my experiences in Wayne – or my experiences in uh, in Italy – um, you know, I have pictures literally on my phone from when I'm in Tuscany of these yeah. farmhouses in Tuscany and like all the old falling down brick walking through like Florence and things like that. So we used all that to create this restaurant. Um, when we opened this restaurant, you know, a whole lot of stories and different things happen. You know, all the press and publicity we got at Viaggio, I don't think there's any restaurant that's ever gotten as much as this one has. It's that's just awesome. been like insane off the charts. Um, and you know, one of my best friends from Vegas actually ended up moving out here and helping me open it. Um, he was kind of the front of the house manager. When we opened this, we already knew we were going to open a second somewhere in Jersey. I kind of told myself I want to open a second one before I'm 30, um, in New Jersey. You know, I think that's kind of my next move. So when we were open this, I was only 26. Um, that gave me a little bit of time. And, you know, since I think we're about eight, nine months old. No, maybe a little less, seven or eight months old at Osteria um, Crescendo. Um, so now we have two, and that's that's kind of the story. <laughs> well, uh, what's it like working with your dad? Like, what's that? You know, some people like working with family. Some people. Oh, uh, it's all you know. over the place. You yeah. know, I'm hoping he's gonna listen to this. Um, it's it's at the end of the day, you know, when you put everything aside and you like really look look and. He's probably harder on himself. He's harder on me than I'm even I, I am on myself. So like, you know, when we like really try and wipe everything away and see that what we've accomplished or try and look at it on the outside from just a normal person's perspective, it's like incredible. But if you sat him and me down, me and him are like we only all we do is look at the problems. Like, yeah. you know, but yeah, why aren't we hitting this number? Why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we busy on this day? Why is this? Why is this? Why is this? Why are we having this problem? And that's just who we are and I guess one, it's a good thing because that's what what's made Viaggio and what's made Osteria Crescendo what it is, because that's how me and him are kind of embedded. Sure. Um it's got got its ups and downs. We're definitely good, you know, he's more of the money money person. He looks at all the numbers. I'm more of the creative person where like, you know, I want the inside everything to be perfect. Why do we pick these glasses? Why do we pick these napkins? Why is the chair you're sitting on the way it is? Things like that. And then he's more of the person, we have to hit these numbers. We have to hit these numbers. How do we do this? But how do we still do it by being creative and yeah. staying true to what we're trying to do? So I could definitely tell you, you know, it's a it's it's a really good good uh, kind of duo that we have going. But sometimes, you know, it's tough. It's sometimes you just want to have your dad just be your dad and sure. not be your business partner. Um, but all in all, it's definitely a good. <laughs> what goes into crafting a menu? So I mean, you know, before you have all this experience working at these places, and you know, it sounded like you know you had input, you know, like you said, like out in like Vale. But, you know, you're starting from scratch. And so you said, you know, coming up with the 
decor was important to you, but like creating a menu, like what goes into that? How'd you guys, you decided Italian, like what, you know, I mean, obviously Italian isn't just like one cuisine. There's so many different yeah, types, yeah, yeah. You, know, what, what, you know, what goes into that? I mean, just everything. So like not even just the menu's perspective, but like, like the inside, I think there's a lot of people, a lot of people just open restaurants because it's what they know and they they do it to make money you know we do it more for like you know passion we're not out here making money hand over fist we're you know we're doing it we're proud of what we're putting out on the plate we're proud of you know everything everything's got to match up like you know why do we pick these wood tables why do we pick this brick like everything matches and then it all matches the food why are we using the plates that we use and one person that really you know embedded that into me was this guy Sergio Herman that I worked for you know creating a vibe you're creating a vibe that that word vibe is what I always look for you know when you go into a restaurant it's not just about food yeah. who did you pull up to in front of that restaurant with you know did you guys take a car service did you guys drive who drove that walk from the car into the restaurant what were the feelings what were the feelings like when you walked in that door what was the smells like when you came in when you sat down at the table when you looked at the menu who are you with it's about everything you know what i mean you could go to the same restaurant 10 times with yeah. 10 different people on 10 different situations and have 10 different experiences so it's all about creating experience um Creating that experience is what's most important. And then now we finally get into the menu. Um, when I opened the menu here, I wanted to give people real Italian food. When I was walking around Italy, you know, seeing the food they really ate in Italy, I was just like, this is so cool. This, yeah. is, this is unbelievable what people in America think Italian food is oh, and yeah. what Italian food well, really is. Well, there's like Italian food and then there's Italian-American yeah, food. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like when we opened... We told people we are not doing Italian-American food. There's no chicken parm. There's no penne alla vodka. There's no any of that stuff. And it was just like people were like dumbfounded. Like I can't tell you how many times people walked in. They were like, no chicken parm and just get up and leave. And like my dad was like, oh, my God, are we doing this wrong? Should we just put this <laughs> stuff on? I was like, no, no, we're going to be fine. You know, I also worked for Mario. And Mario was kind of one of those founding fathers where he was doing like the kind of the weird stuff that real yeah. Italians eat. You know, he was putting these like little fried fish on plates like there was tons of anchovies there was puntarelle there was all these radicchios there was you know the real sorrento lemons all these things and you know that really helped me to get a grasp on it and then when i really got to go to italy and see that and that's exactly what we did here you know i was um i put on my plate what i think you would find there when you go there um but i also kind of dumbed it down a little and made it a little Jersey-esque to where, like, you know, things that I put are things that people in Jersey can, you know, relate to or vibe to or, like, understand and sure. not just put the weird stuff. And it really took off here. It just went crazy. And the same thing with Crescendo, you know, we just threw a little spin on it. It's still my style food. It's still that Italian style food. The little spin is I chose to do large entrees. We're doing all our own dry aged steaks here at Viaggio. Oh, um, and cool. then we actually butcher them ourselves. And then we bring them up there to Crescendo. Um, I do all my own cured meats. Um, I think that's the founding kind of father behind Italian cuisine to, you know, make all your own charcuterie and then yeah. use it throughout pastas, use it, you know, Anywhere I sat down in Italy, I don't care where it was, there was some kind of charcuterie or cured <laughs> meat. Like, no matter what, if it was a seafood restaurant, they still found a way to give me charcuterie in some way, <laughs> shape, or form. So that was something that I knew we had to do. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of pretty much where both of my menus are at. 
So we're back in Jersey, you know, where, you know, where, I mean, obviously where you grew up and so like you said, your dad picked this place and then like, you know, so we're in Passaic County, then you're in, you know, uh, Osteria is in Westwood in Bergen Bergen County. County, Yeah. What do you think about, I mean, you know, I mean, I grew up in Bergen County, like there are good places to eat, but like, you know, like. It was always the city. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like... So it's definitely tough. I mean, it's crazy. When we opened here, it was tough. Like, it was like six months of just getting, like, brutally beaten on by customers to where they didn't get what we were doing. They didn't understand the no chicken parm. They didn't understand the prices. They didn't understand New Jersey. They want to pay a certain price, and they want this much food. They want it to go bad to take home, and that's what New Jersey people want. Yeah. So, like... Finally, after like six months of here, just like kind of getting that brutal beating, people started to understand it. People came out of the woodwork. We were getting the New Jersey foodies. You know, we were getting busy. We started getting, you know, all these great reviews and things like that. And it just kind of like took off and we were finally getting the right people and the right people were coming in. And it was those those foodie people that really understood it. And now in Bergen County, it's the same thing. It's just like, you know, brutally beaten on like the prices, the this food, the that food. They want this. They don't want that. And honestly, Bergen County people are just like worse with it because <laughs> they're just they want man, man living in hudson county now all i hear is just like when when someone's like oh where'd you grow up and i'm like you know in bergen county they're like ah okay yeah like, exactly like, like, so like, like, like i like i have a finger up in the air yeah in the air. but i mean it's a good thing i i think it's really just i mean as much as i hate to say it you know it's 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 definitely made me who I am. It's it showed me that opening a restaurant, no matter where it is, is it's not easy. You know, yeah. we're we're slowly building a clientele. I literally think every day that we're open and every day we have our you know manager meeting or we're talking with my dad, and it's like, you know, every single day it's getting better and better to where it's like more of the right customers, less customers kind of complaining about certain things, and every day we're just we're we're kind of growing to where we're at here and and i mean i i really don't know if if you open a restaurant in new york city or los angeles or chicago if it's the same thing because i haven't done it yet yeah but um it's definitely been kind of a a journey to where like i've i've realized you opening a restaurant it's an everyday struggle to kind of like build that business and get the right clientele and get your regulars and every person that leaves your door you you know you really got to make sure that they were happy and enjoyed their experience so um in Bergen County like I said it's been tough you know I think we're finally just starting to kind of slowly hit that strive where we're getting busier where we're getting the right clientele but um how I heard about you is I've had friends that have gone to Osteria and they absolutely love it awesome good good love hearing that yeah, and I mean, but that's what you would think, you know, Bergen County, you know, it's got the money, like, even, let's go... And Bergen County's in this crazy boom right now. It's like, yeah, you know, you have Felina, you have My Restaurant OC, you have that Stern and Bow that just opened, you had the Hill at Closer that just opened, you have Thomas Sizak opening a new restaurant. It's like, all these super foodie restaurants are opening, and like, obviously all us chefs talk, and like, everyone's kind of dealing with the same little problem, so, yeah. I mean... I think it's great for Bergen County. I think it's great for kind of like all the chefs that ventured up there. I definitely think it's an awesome place in the state of New Jersey to where there is people with, you know, money that like dining out. I hope these people are kind of grateful for like, 
you know, there's some that walk in and they're like, oh, if I just wanted to get food like this or pay for food like this, I could go to New York City. And then I hope there's those those certain few that are grateful. That's like, this is awesome that I don't have to go to New York City well, and that, get get this style. Thing, yeah, you got people like that, you know, like, I, you know, I'm not even talking prices, but that do have the pockets for going out to eat, you know, multiple nights of the week and yeah. stuff like that. The people that aren't coming in just looking for chicken parm and, yeah. you know, doggy bags at the end yeah. of the night. So it it always it surprises me, and then like like you said, there is this boom happening right now, but that it didn't exist like already for those people. So I think you, I mean, you're clearly you're finding you know a market you know for it, and I but it, you know people do have to warm up to the idea. No, cause, definitely, because because it just because it hasn't been this way. Yeah. So it is it is new. It's not new. It's not necessarily like you said, like, you know, beforehand people were going into the city for it. Yeah. So it's new to the area. The area yeah. yeah. And the whole concept. But yeah, I definitely think like every day I hear about something new that's opening that's very food driven and not so much, you know, money driven. There's passion behind the food and that's something, you know, when I go out to eat, that's definitely something that I I you know, look for. I mean, half the time I'm going out to eat, it's usually pizza, Korean barbecue, or some sort of Asian food. But, you know, I go to these places where these people are, like, passionate about what they're putting out. Um, You know, I'm a pizza. I love pizza. I'll drive hours for pizza type (laughs) deal. Um, But anyway, um, I definitely think up there in Bergen County, like, they're going through this crazy boom. I talk to all the food critics, writers, and, you know, they're saying the same thing. It's just unreal how many different places are opening. So I hope, you know, I hope the people are kind of, like, grateful for it because it's an awesome thing. It's definitely a cool thing for the state of New Jersey. It definitely is. Well, it wouldn't be foodie films if we didn't talk uh, a couple of foodie scenes. When we were talking, you gave me some uh, options, and you gave me some great like. I wanted know, like f- I wanted to give you a, a list that was just out there. I wanted you to look down <laughs> at this list and be like, "What the hell is yeah, all this yeah. shit?" Well, I mean, I recognized. Uh, I mean, all, like all, all the films except for the the documentary is again called. Uh, Fucking perfect. Fucking perfect. Yeah. Can't have that title in America, though. <laughs> Can't have it in America. But uh, definitely in Holland, though. Yeah, exactly. But uh, but you know, I mean, you gave me you know, Chef, Burnt, Hundred uh, Foot Journey, obviously, you know, amazing food films. But I love talking food scenes from like non-food movies, and so some movies you gave me, Cool Runnings, Green Street Hooligans, Out Cold. Um, let's just go Cool Runnings. You know, not necessarily that it's a food scene, but it is a food. I love Sanka with his lucky egg. <laughs> and I just, I just, we'll, we'll play, quick play that little clip for you. You want to kiss my egg? I'm not kissing no egg. So to sell. So with that, like, I like the idea of just talking about like what food, you know, food just means so much more. To yeah, just like sometimes. we said, you know, food makes the world go round. So that's yeah. that's funny that you even brought up like the lucky egg and like again, food in another way, not even e- not even eating yeah, it. Yeah, not even just, consuming just it. Just a purely, lucky egg, you yeah. know, and hysterical. Probably makes every single person that watched that movie laugh yeah. beyond belief. You know, the part where they crash and he's scrambling to make sure it didn't break and. Yeah, I Sanka, mean, you're dead, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> coach, I can't get my helmet on. That's such. Thanks, that's, Coach. <laughs> great that's such movie. a great movie. That's yeah, yeah. It's one of John Candy's last movies. That was, yeah. yeah, and just like you said, like you know the the whole food thing. I really don't think I remember. Honestly, I haven't watched it in a very long time. But um, 
just thinking about food, like even in those first parts of the the movie, I have been to Jamaica. Um, I was, you know, my parents took me to a lot of places when I was younger. I was very fortunate of it. Um, they, uh, I think I was only like 12 or 13 years old when I was in um, Jamaica. I might even have been younger, but I remember getting like my whole head braided. And I remember being <laughs> in like these, these just like kind of the down downtown streets of jamaica and seeing like whole goats on skewers and like the jerk chicken just getting like flipped on these grills like out on the beach and then i wasn't i didn't think anything of it like i was probably honestly like ew gross because i was 12 13 years old but now i think back to it when i'm now like you know 29 years old and like such a foodie and just love to eat and love to explore new foods and it's like like i still remember some of those images so in this movie, you know, in that those first couple scenes where they're just kind of riding around the island, you really get to see what Jamaica's like. And I don't really remember if they really show anything. I want to say there's one part where they have like an old, old grill that they're just slapping so. yeah, chicken just like down, in the back, and yeah. yeah, in the background. But, and everything, um, but yeah, I mean, Jamaica's got its own cuisine. Uh, I have a few Jamaican guys that work for me, and we talk about Cool Runnings all the time. He <laughs> says the parts in his Jamaican accent, and we all die. That's we love awesome. it. Yeah. So being that we talked about it today, I'm probably going to be doing it all day in the kitchen. <laughs> but, um, yeah, love Jamaican food. Yeah, there's a place in Jersey City that's Jamaican, Afro-Caribbean-infused, uh, Harry's Daughter, and that's the name of the restaurant. Okay. It's just uh, it's a great place. They have... Their oxtail there is amazing. Awesome. I had like a whole fried red snapper. Nice. It's a, it's a great place. Cool. Um, yeah, and like uh, let's let's go. I feel like the opposite of <laughs> this movie, Green Street Hooligans. Just, I mean, you. Hey, you said you were in London. Like, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about it. I knew, like, I mean, I didn't know what we were getting into today with this podcast, sure, but sure. I was thinking, like, why? Why is he asking me these movies? Like, you know, and what? relation why do i like these movies so much and i thought aloud about it and that green street hooligans one i'm like not a nomad but i'm just like one that in our industry in the hospitality industry i tell people that work for me i tell my parents i tell everyone i know one of the coolest parts about being in this industry is being a chef is if i sold both of these restaurants or if i didn't have both these restaurants i could literally close my eyes point down onto a map Wherever it lands, even if it was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, I could go get a job there cooking. <laughs> I could get on a cruise ship and cook. Yeah. I can yeah. point down to India. I could go get a job flipping chicken in India, and I could probably survive. I can go to California and get a job. I could go to London and get a job. I can go anywhere in this world and literally get a job, and that's probably one of the coolest parts about our industry. And again, it goes back to food makes the world go round. So, yeah. you know, being a chef, being a cook, I think you can ask anyone you know there's these famous chefs that quit their three michelin star restaurants and they just go and travel and why because because we can we can literally go anywhere and get a job there's nowhere that we can't go and you know get a job so going back to the green street hooligans thing you know i again another movie i haven't watched in a while but that kid that you know goes to london because of family because he has family there he just gets thrown into this new place and i think that's one of my reasons i just like the movie so much because it's like this random kid getting thrown into a new place where he knows no culture and i've done that a couple times like you know i got thrown into colorado and i was like this is mountain life like (laughs) there's there's 
there's one girl everyone looks at in this oh, town. Oh man, I'm going up next week to visit my buddy who lives up in uh, Stratton, Vermont, and like, and he's been up there. I think this is going to be his seventh winter. Yeah. And like, I mean, they all know fa- everyone. He, yeah, exactly. And he, it's like he, you he, leave he there, and it's like, oh my god, people, new people. Yeah. What's your name? What's your name? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, exactly. But going up in the, I mean, again, I'm not, I don't, I don't snowboard, I don't ski, but plenty of bars to get drunk. Oh at. yeah, man, my favorite thing. We, you the know, waffles they, they, at the bottom of the mountain. Yep, because they, because they party waffles. up there. Yeah. So it's just like we party at night, and then they all go to work in the morning, or they're doing some runs in the morning. Yeah. I get to sleep in. I go to the supermarket. I pick stuff up. I prep it, and then I go to the mountain. I have lunch. Yeah, I have some yeah, cocktails. Yeah. There you go. You got it all planned out. <laughs> and I go back and I cook dinner. <laughs> nice, you know? perfect. I, I, I love it up there. But yeah. yeah, so I mean, I think I think the cool part about that movie is it really kind of brings me back about like just you know that freedom. Like this kid. It, not necessarily freedom. I want to say he got sent there because of trouble or whatever it may have been. Some weird reason. Like I said, I haven't seen it in a while. But yeah. he got sent to London. He was thrown somewhere where he knew nothing. He meets this group of kids, which every time I move somewhere new, I, I meet a new group that I become best friends with. And, like, I mean, the the movie's crazy. Oh, like, yeah. obviously, well, the just whole fighting. Fo- the and football, pub culture. Pub, pub culture. I mean, the, bu- the, the bubble song. Each other. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just, yeah, crazy. And like you said, the the food scenes in it, they're in this pub and like, you know, there's definitely times where they're just eating this, this, this pub food. And like, you know, that's something that people always ask me like, oh, you're a chef. You only like the fancy stuff. And it's like, just like I just said on here, half the time I'm going for pizza, Korean yeah. barbecue, you know, I love a good wing spot. I have my wing spots that I go to and things like that. So we don't have enough fish and chip places. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, I mean, hey, we're, ta- we're talking about mountains. One of the movies you gave me out cold. Uh, that's that. I love that movie. You know, people say like the, you know, breakout role for Zach Galifianakis is in The Hangover. Vegas movie, but that's like in 2008. This movie's like from like 2001, yeah. and he's hilarious in this Epic. movie. I always quote, he's like, I have two rules in my life. I always forget the first one that he says. He's like, you know, like, don't back out on your friends. Something like yeah. genuine is like, and everybody Wang Chung tonight. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> but like up there, I, I, uh, I, I like the you know, well, even specifically when he's drinking, what's that? I'll play it right now. Oh, I know it sucks that they're ruining a town and everything, but this... Is the best vanilla latte I have ever had in my entire life. You can actually taste the vanilla beans that these. I don't like the coffee. The best like vanilla latte he's ever had in his life. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, up the, like I like this movie. I mean, what, you know, the plot of it. Well, number one, it's like a spinoff of like Casablanca. Even the main character's called Rick, and he's wearing like the uh, the white tux and everything like that. And they have that whole. But they play, they play the Weezer song "Island in the yeah, Sun," and yeah. that's like the you know like in like in Casablanca they have that play it again, Sam. But the big thing going on in this movie is like the gentrification. So, what do you think about 
I mean, we're talking about food. Like, even you yourself are bringing a different style of Italian cuisine and everything. What do you think about... So, that's not necessarily that's gentrification, but that is happening. Like, I live in Jersey City, and you see gentrification happening, and then more, you know, elevated restaurants come in. What do you, what do you get? What do you see the changes happening you know, in the industry with that. I mean, I, it's so crazy that you just asked that because there's been like four people, I would say in the past three weeks that have asked me, like, what do you see changing in the industry? And like, everyone asked me the same ones, like the CBD one, the large portions one, the, you know, more fast casual. And it's like all the same stuff that everyone talks about. So I don't really want to bore you with going over all the all the same ones that I feel like get touched upon um the CBD thing I really don't think is ever going to take off I think it's kind of reaching its point and it's never really going to go much farther I mean am I like really into it it's cool is yeah. it is it really going to be like oh CBD restaurant CBD restaurant CBD I don't think it's going to go there the large format thing I just did it at my new restaurant um did I do it because it's the in thing no did I do it because when I was in Italy, I felt like we were all sharing everything every time we ate. Yes. Did I do it because, you know, I feel like the food Instagram world is kind of taking over. Yes. Is it cool to Instagram a whole octopus and a giant steak in the middle of your table? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's something definitely. Um, the fast casual thing, obviously, yes. Always going that route. We're in America. Come yeah. on now. Um, the fine dining food thing kind of like – Dying, yes. Is it ever going to fully, like, die out? No, it's, like, going to kind of stay where it's at. Um, And just like you said, you know, you brought up kind of like Jersey City. I definitely think as a whole, America, your normal Joe Schmo people, your normal people are – everyone's becoming foodies now. So, like, you know, all the different ethnic foods – greatly on the rise like who knows what the next big thing is it was ramen it's pho it's you know sushi's constantly climbing it's like i think it's gonna be it's gonna then start to become certain fusions like i've mentioned it before and it was something i learned by being down in like new orleans and it's even happening more like in houston but i know david chang talked about it on ugly delicious but the uh Oh God! What do they call it? Uh, Viet Cajun. Yeah, you know, like yeah, that yeah. Com- I think you're gonna start seeing more. I of mean, that, it's huge you know? in like Vegas. You go to these like crawfish like restaurants where they just dump it on the table. On like you yeah. know, they have all the the butcher paper and just dump it down. You're sitting there like sucking on these things and yeah. stuff. And like, where do we have that in Jersey? We don't. But I think eventually, you know, yeah, well, eventually we'll be getting all this stuff. And yeah, I mean, I think that's what's big. I just think, I just think the food world is becoming bigger and bigger and it's like it's like even people that don't know anything it's like you can have like this 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 person that like really doesn't go out for fine dining food and they're like oh yo let's go to shake shack and like me being like a super foodie and just knowing everything behind shake shack it's like wow you like shake shack like do you even know anything about shake shack like (laughs) like do you know who owns shake shack and like they're just like no who cares it's like a good burger it's expensive but let's go yeah (laughs) and like i just think that's where we're going with this like but aside from all the cbd the large portion the fast casual i just think people as a whole it's becoming more and more foodie and i've done interviews like a different form of being woke (laughs) yeah i've done interviews two years ago a year and a half ago and i said the same thing i just think the world especially america as a whole is just becoming way more food driven well you see it just even 
in the beer culture with all the craft breweries. Oh, and it's crazy. Yeah. And it's just blowing up. It doesn't when, yeah. stop. When I when I go into like a local bar and they still have like Stella uh, like on tap or something like that, I'm like, man, like I want more places to have, you know, like all the weird stuff. Yeah, all the weird, yeah, cool exactly. New stuff. Yeah, like there's only been so much of this produced or yeah. so much of this produced. That's something, you know. Like I said, I'm gonna go visit my buddy up in Vermont. Like Vermont's beer game is amazing. Yeah, but I know he's always happy whenever he comes. You know, he grew up in. Uh, Upper Sal River, so he's a Bergen County guy, and not that he's a big city guy, but you know he'll come. I'm gonna and visit have to me. look out for when you guys come in. Yeah, it's gonna be a tough bunch. <laughs> <laughs> but like he likes coming to Jersey City and going into the city where we love going to you know Wohop in Chinatown. Oh like, yeah, that's the one See, thing he knows. You oh, know yeah, the spots. Knows, yeah, exactly. But that's the whole thing. He's just like up in Vermont. They like don't have none they of got, that. They, they've yeah. got nothing, man. Like yeah. and he, I'm like. There's someone's gonna get smart at some time. Yeah. I mean, but that like not to hate on he works for Stratton and they do like nothing at the mountain in the summertime. Like they don't have they yeah. have like one or two like festivals, but like in this, he works at a retail shop and he's just like, Yeah, I sold a piece of clothing today, like in the yeah. summertime. In the wintertime it's booming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just they don't have enough places to feed people up there. But yeah. like they also just the the choices, the options are very, oh, no, I, very, very limited. I know firsthand when I lived in Vale, it was like if we wanted anything besides the normal that we would eat, you know, we only had a few different. We had like one sushi spot. We had like one French spot. We had a couple spots we would go, obviously, but if we wanted food, it's we got to travel to Denver. Let's, yeah. We're going to Denver you, two days. Yeah, you, know, you think that's like due to like lack of availability, like a pr- like produce and like No, our, I think it think it comes down just, to just like busyness. Like, you know what I mean? Why open why open this small little Chinese spot or this small little pizza spot where you're going to be busy only, you know, a certain amount of the year? I mean, even here in Jersey, it's it's crazy. Like our busy season is right now. Yeah. Like, you know, starts in November, November, December, January, February. And then summer, it's like everyone's gone, and even worse so in Bergen County because everyone up there has their beach houses, house, yeah, their yeah, summer yeah, yeah, houses. Yeah. It's like a ghost town up there. So, like, even a place that you don't really think has seasons, like, I mean, Jersey has seasons, but seasons for restaurants to where yeah. it's like, you know, Jersey's Jersey. There's people all year around, but us restaurant people see it as, like, you know, in the summer, we're like, you know, we have, like, real actual seasons. The same thing with, like, Los Angeles. You would say, like, Los Angeles, they don't really have seasons. People are just there, right? Yeah. But I'm sure if I went there and opened a restaurant, you would learn, like, oh, the summer's slow here, the winter's busy, things like that. Yeah. Same thing with Florida, you know. No one wants to be in Florida in the summer. Who no, the hell exactly. goes to Florida in the summer? <laughs> so that's their slow time. And yeah. It was the same thing with in Vegas. Like, you know, you had convention season, which was when there were so many people there. It's got to be Crazy. During convention season. And then you would have season where it's like there's no conventions and it would just be like dead there. Yeah. So like I think these seasons play like a huge role on um, restaurants when restaurants are opening. And it definitely takes a huge uh, consideration to open a restaurant. You know, I have friends that own restaurants in like Miami or, um, you know, everywhere. And I think that's why like places like even like Texas, like Houston, Texas, like do they really have seasons? Like, why is everyone opening there? Like, Minnesota just got, I know, on a couple different lists for, like, one of the best new foodie cities. Um, a lot of different things opening there. So I think these things play a huge role in when you open a restaurant. Well, last but not least, we have a little segment called Gut Instincts. This is just like a speed round of just whatever answer comes to your mind first. Okay. Favorite fast food? <sighs> Currently, Shake Shack. Shake Shack. <laughs> Go to alcoholic beverage. 
uh, gin and tonic. Nice. Any specific gin? Um, depends what the gin and tonic drink is. Oh, all right. Uh, favorite childhood snack? <sighs> Candy and cookies. A specific? Sour Patch Kids. Nice. Sweet or savory? I have the worst sweet tooth in the world. Like, I am a junk food head beyond belief. Mm-hmm. But I'd probably say savory. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it's, it's, a, it's a tough question. I've, I, I'm realizing more and more I have such a sweet tooth. Like, every, like... After like every meal, I'm just like I just need like a little, just Come a little on, something, a little snack. <laughs> yeah, give me something. <laughs> Favorite food city, uh, domestic and international. Um, Los Angeles. That's where I want to be. Come on. Uh, international. I mean, pff, we just talked about it the whole the whole time. Amsterdam. Nice. Favorite cuisine. a tough one we talking like eating cooking i don't know i guess i could just say you can answer both i would say obviously italian i mean i'm kind of known as that italian chef i cook the italian food you know it's definitely a favorite of mine i feel like as soon as i start learning a lot about it i then realize i know nothing about it so there's always (laughs) more to learn about it and then a humbling experience yeah and then eating wise i mean like i said korean barbecue and kind of Living in Vegas, one of my best friends was Korean, and introducing me to Korean barbecue and going for Korean food, I I absolutely love it. I awesome. think it's mind blowing. Yeah, it's something I I know very little about, and I grew up in an area. I mean, in like the Burton County, Fort specifically Lee, in the Palisades Northern Park, Valley, where yeah, I went. All like, that. Man, my high school graduation, we did start doing a count for how many Kims there were in our graduating <laughs> class. I think we got up to sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> um. Guilty pleasure food. Sweets. I just, come on, nailed it. Cookies and candy, give it to me all. Favorite condiment? Salt. Salt. I think I've gotten that answer before. That's a good, that's a perfect one. What's the last thing you ate? Drinking a protein shake right now. (laughs) There we go. Going to the gym, drinking protein shakes. Far better than me. What would be your last meal? These are good ones. Um, what would be my last meal? I don't know. I think I think my favorite meals of all are like when you go to a place and you're you know what you're getting and you're expecting it and like you've been there three or four times and like yeah you're excited but yeah. it's a different kind of excited. It's like you know what you're getting. I think my last meal would be like literally just point down to a new restaurant and be going there, be going there with like, you know, couple friends, the girlfriend, whoever it may be, parents and just being mind blown. I think my like my favorite meals were just like kind of like going to a place and just being so busy and not really having expectations and going there and being like blown away. Like I can honestly say one of my best meals I've ever had was single thread out in California. Okay. Um, you know, it's three Michelin stars now it's like rated top in the world, but like me and a buddy went and we just sat down and our expectations were whatever we, you know, drank before dinner, sit down. We know we're going to have a good meal, but like we were just like, fuck, this is so good. (laughs) So I think one of my last meals, I obviously I'd pick some high end restaurant in some crazy city, but that's yeah one last adventure before the great beyond yeah uh dine in or dine out or wait, eat yeah 
Yeah, eat in. out. Yeah, yeah. What would be your spirit food? What food best embodies you, your personality? Um, Seem like you like to have fun, but you're you know you get your heart. No, definitely. Guy. I I love like I love. Uh, I love making food beautiful. I feel like you always eat with your eyes first. So, like, everything yeah. I make, I always want it to be, like, have that wow factor. You should always, like, look down at it and be like, can I, like, should I really eat this? Because this, exactly. this, needs, this should, is, yeah. like, absolutely should beautiful. Yeah. Um, I love making pasta. I think that, you know, there's no one in this world that doesn't like pasta, I feel like. Yeah, I heard the pasta. Again, friends that went to Osteria, they were, like, unbelievable so i definitely say like you know putting putting out a, a beautifully made perfect pasta is some sort of spirit food of mine yeah <laughs> <laughs> favorite uh movie snack sour patch kids there we go and last question what's the greatest lesson you've learned in food it sounds like you've learned a lot you've traveled I mean, a lot of yeah places, my but... literally my whole life has been based off food um, you know, like I said, you know, even back in high school, deciding what I wanted to do with my life. Um, and I've probably said it 17 times on here, you know, food is what makes the world go round. Um, I think food brings people together, tears people apart. Um, just like I said, you got to have like balance in this industry. So, I mean, I don't know what kind of life lesson that's taught me, but it's taught me a lot. Um, like I said, my whole life has been based off this crazy hospitality food industry. Yeah. So, I think for you, it, it almost sounds like experience as much as you can. Yeah, right? like no, that, definitely. That, that, I mean, I feel like that's what life's about, you know? Yeah. There, I have some friends that have, like, never really traveled, like, spending all this money on, like, a house and a car. And it's like, dude, when was the last time you even got on a plane? Have yeah. you been to, like, another big city? But, again, it's about balance. Like, if you like the materialistic things, that's great. But I feel like you should also travel, you know? You should, everyone should go out to eat like every once in a while experience something new like there's those people that go to the same restaurant every single week and like yeah it's the restaurant that's the 14.99 entree but like go out and experience something different do yeah. something different i feel like that's what life's about awesome man well yeah thanks so much for coming on P please right now tell everyone you know like obviously the name of your two restaurants again where they can find you social media wise any of that stuff um so, I mean, I'm all over the place. Um, usually at Viaggio on Wednesdays. I'm at OC, Osteria Crescendo in Westwood, New Jersey. On the weekends, my, you know, my Tuesday and Thursday are a toss-up between which restaurant I'm at. But basically, Osteria Crescendo in Westwood, Viaggio Ristorante in Wayne, New Jersey um, are my two restaurants. My Instagram is just my name, Robbie Felice. Um, you could check us out, both of our websites, my Instagram, whatever it may be. And I hope to see, um, everyone. And if you do come in, feel free to say hello. Awesome, man. Uh, we have a little catchphrase to end every episode. It's, there's more to cut. It's something that my grandmother always says, cause you know, the plate's getting a little sparse and she's like, don't worry, there's more to cut. And I feel like it just transcends Perfect. into life. So if you don't mind saying and reminding the foodies out there that there's more to cut. There's more to cut. Awesome. Thanks, Chef. Awesome, dude. This is awesome. Yummy, yummy, yummy. I got love in my tummy and I feel like I'm loving you. Love you such a sweet thing, good enough to eat thing and it's just a while.